0: Hello there. Welcome to my podcast, Princess and the Pea Survivor Edition, where we talk about healing from trauma, life's sometimes seemingly impossible tests, and how these ongoing tests impact our relationships with others, as well as the one we have with ourselves. Thanks for being here. My name is Faith Christine Bergevin. You can call me Faith. On today's podcast, We explore the concept of identity and how others might perceive us due to how we show up in the world. I share my own choice of being vocal about my experience as a survivor of sexual assault and what that means for me in my relationships and in the world now that I'm out. Listen to consider what it means to weigh the cost of silence versus the cost of speaking out authentically. And decide for yourself which cost you most want to bear. Because the choice is yours. Is this just another box? On silence, privacy, and speaking out. This week marks three months since I started Princess and the Pea Survivor Edition. Which means it's been three months since I began sharing my story and breaking my silence. The question I have today, though, is this. How do I not be defined by what happened to me while still sharing what I've learned? I started this publication, in part, to reduce stigma and release myself from my silence. But I question if writing about trauma recovery is all I want to write about, or all I want to be known for. On one hand, I no longer want to feel like I have to hide parts of myself. On the other... I don't want my life defined by any one thing. Write what you know, they say. Find your niche. Don't confuse people with too much variety. And yet, I want to be free. Writing here has helped me leave my little box of shame. But by writing about these topics, am I putting myself into another box? The cost of silence. Before, I was alone with few people knowing about my trauma, keeping it a secret because I feared it would impact me both professionally and personally. In the short time I've been out, I've noticed there has been a shift, but not in a way I could have expected. Since beginning to write publicly, I have realized how much pressure I was placing on some relationships simply because I was living in silence. My world was rather small. It would appear I was not owning my story not fully anyway. By keeping quiet, I perpetuated my shame, somehow waiting for some sort of permission to make peace with it. It seemed I was subconsciously looking for acceptance from those close to me, needing their love and compassion. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting compassion, especially as we all have a human need for it. And honestly, it was something that was sorely lacking in the immediate aftermath of my sexual assault. But without my noticing it, My need for acceptance created a burden on relationships that I wasn't consciously aware of, especially romantic ones. As I began speaking out in these essays and connecting with others, I began to feel released from a prison I didn't realize I was living in. In some ways, a freedom emerged from within as I realized the cat's out of the bag and not going back in. I know what I've shared, what's out there now. Even if I feel a bit shaky after posting an essay, I do feel a little stronger and more, for lack of a better word, whole. As I strive to live in greater alignment with who I want to be, I learn every day what it means to heal and how I exist as a survivor. By speaking out, I free myself from the shame, allowing myself to live more openly in the world. But... I have noticed there can be consequences, especially in how others may perceive me. The cost of speaking out. There is so much that is poorly understood about surviving traumatic experiences, whether a singular event or long-standing abuse. Speaking out means on some level losing some of my privacy as more people learn about me and read the stories I write. It means coming face-to-face with an ignorance that lives in the world regarding survivors of trauma and what trauma actually is. On the weekend, I was at a dance workshop, and a participant shared with the group that learning a new dance method was traumatic, and the room laughed. Haha, <laughs> so funny, we're all traumatized because we have to learn something new! Internally, I cringed. Please. The overall ignorance and stigma of trauma, due in part to the loose usage of the word in recent years, makes real trauma lose its meaning and demeans the experience of those who have actually experienced trauma. I figure the man meant no harm, and even all the ones who laughed. No one does, usually. But the ignorance it perpetuates is irritating. I feel both called to say something due to my already speaking up with my writing, While also feeling like I want to remain silent, just continue pretending I'm one of the masses and laugh like everyone else, even as I shrink inside. For the record, I didn't laugh. However, by speaking out, I perhaps put my own mental health at risk if when I encounter such ignorance. And I have worked extremely hard to regain my mental health after actual abuse. I must guard my recovery fiercely. However, the more I write about healing from trauma, the more annoyed I am with insensitivity. Speaking out here means I am living more authentically. However, it doesn't mean I have to speak out in all settings. We can't expect ourselves to be heroes all the time. We can't be like the guy in the movie giving the inspirational speech and changing people's minds and hearts in one climactic moment. But... The pressure does set in because while I don't want to live in a box of trying to fit in, I recognize I do live in a society in which I'm supposed to play nice. See the conflict? Even so, there is something to be said for stepping outside of boxes that don't serve me anymore. A house of shame. In speaking out, I have felt certain relief. But I also sometimes wake at 5 a.m., asking myself if continuing to write about my recovery is really such a good idea. I grew up in a house of shame where things weren't discussed, where my silence was expected and in fact reinforced, where I was encouraged to live in a box of expectation based on the beliefs and practices of my parents. For a considerable time in my teens, I had to hide my body under loose clothing draping fabric as required by women because of the cult-like religion my mother entered into that created shame around my burgeoning womanhood, showing, what, showing me who I was allowed to be and what I wasn't. It was a box I lived in, in which I constantly apologized for my own existence, for the shape of my body, my curves, my sensuality. I didn't even realize I was living this for a long time, I didn't notice because the funny thing about life in an oppressive home is you think it's normal. You think feeling bad about your nature, your body, your thoughts, your emotions is normal because of the messages drilled into you as a young vulnerable person. So you grow up ashamed of yourself, not even wondering why there's this discomfort and feeling utterly disconnected from your body being in a box and you don't even know it. It seems my life in recent years has been about breaking out of that box, the societal expectations of how a woman is supposed to be, how she is supposed to live, what is acceptable and what is not. Even in dating now, there are boxes I'm supposed to fit in in order to be considered attractive. Sometimes I feel that men are putting me in a box of playful and sensual, and I'm not allowed to veer too far from there. While this was a box I was forbidden as a growing female in my childhood house of shame, the fact is that it is still a box. A fun one, but a box nonetheless. As men learn what I've been through, can they see me as a woman with many sides, or will I again be put in a box, this time the one of difficult, do not approach, And so, I'm left with some questions, and maybe you can relate? So, the first one is, how do I live my life in wholeness as I am, accepting my entire story, even if others don't, and want to put me in a box due to their need to apply heuristics when considering me? And two, how do I build a life that is authentically mine, honoring my privacy, guarding my healing, while also allowing myself the freedom to show up in the world where I can create and continue to build a life that makes sense for me. Is this radical? Is this dangerous? The case for anonymity. I considered writing anonymously because that's safer, right? But the thought didn't last long because being anonymous kind of removed the point of reducing shame and stigma. This choice is not meant to shame anyone who decides not to speak out. If nothing else, I hope any survivor reading here knows that your decision to speak out about your experience is a choice, one that does not come easy and for which there are many considerations. The very nature of trauma is that your choice was taken away when the trauma happened. And so part of our recovery is reclaiming our right to choose. Part of your recovery is reclaiming your right to choose. But for me, for many reasons, my time had come. I read recently about this idea that holding on to something painful was like holding a glass of water. It's fine for a while, your arm there outstretched holding that glass, For an hour or two or three or more. But after too long, that glass of water gets heavy and the arm gets tired. This is where I was three months ago, tired of holding on. Even though I felt I had to hold on for the purpose of maintaining an image or being acceptable to others, honestly, the cost got too high. It got too heavy holding on to a secret that was just there stagnant like water left too long in a stale glass. So I am here with my full name, speaking about the aftermath of trauma. Even if I don't want to be known for only this one thing, I do have the need to feel free to talk about it when I want to. Outside the box. Frankly, I want to live outside any and all boxes, to live in joy, dancing and laughing and being in a flow of energy. But we can't always be free and joyous. Sometimes our flow of energy is blocked due to being human and living a stressful life and having had certain experiences. We all have things we've gone through and we all have had sad and difficult experiences. What's the healthiest way to process these experiences? Do we bury it or do we talk about it? We know through science and lived experience that sharing with others helps. Talking helps as it creates community and fosters a feeling of support. It doesn't mean that's all we talk about, but knowing there is freedom to do so. That's where we get to step outside of our respective boxes. Writing has helped me release in many ways, first for myself and then in sharing and making connections with others who have been through similar experiences. I write my way out of the box of shame, but I don't want to write myself into another one. I risk this by speaking out. Some may put me in such a box, the rape victim survivor box, and may not be able to see me as anything else. This box, this brand, this story, the connection of this story to myself may be problematic for those who like to place people into little boxes because it's simpler for them. As discouraging as this may be, it may be an issue I have little control over. By writing about challenging subjects, I am inviting commentary and opinion. People can and will make judgments. It is part of the risk in the reveal. But along with the risk... A new world has started to open up, a world of growing connection. My new intention. In sharing my story, I have encountered others who have been through similar experiences. I've even connected with a therapist in another country doing what I'm doing, being open about sexual assault and being a therapist, among other things. When I found him and saw what he's been doing, I thought, cool, another therapist. In fact, I sighed in relief since I thought I was the only one even though I have made many connections in the past few months this one remains the comforting one for me and he doesn't even know it so this sharing this speaking out has released something in me that has brought comfort and freedom i'm glad to encounter others walking their journeys in the aftermath of betrayal and loss and speaking out about their experiences this helps me feel less alone more connected. As I consider where I want to go from here, three months in with this publication and at the beginning of 2023, I have a new intention. Up till now, I realize I have been coming from a place of protection, and that was important. I needed that. Now, I have a new intention to foster connection. So, to answer the question from the beginning, have I put myself in another box? Maybe. I I don't know where this journey will take me. What I do know is this. I will choose my topics. The color and size of a particular box for this day and that time. I will make my choices. And some may decide to permanently put me in a box they think I belong in because of what my story means to them about who I must be whether it's true or not. But I have learned this is not my problem. And you? What box are you living in? And did you choose it? And so it ends. Today's piece has two footnotes. And here we are in the footnote section of this essay. So I used a word that kind of excited me when I first learned it. It's a word called, um, the word is heuristics. So I'm going to give you a little definition um, that I include in the written essay. And this is for the people who are listening but don't have the essay in front of them. Heuristics are mental shortcuts that allow people to solve problems and make judgments quickly and efficiently. These rule of thumb strategies shorten decision-making time and allow people to function without constantly stopping to think about their next course of action. However, there are both benefits and drawbacks of heuristics. While heuristics are helpful in many situations, they can also lead to cognitive biases. Becoming aware of these might help you to make better and more accurate decisions. So heuristics are really useful for us because if we had to really think of all the ins and outs every time we made a decision, we would be frozen most of the time and not able to make decisions and move forward. So they are a mental shortcut that are helpful. But as this definition um, tells us, they can lead to cognitive biases. So we can make quick decisions about things that aren't really thought out. And so the point of using this term, this idea, mental shortcuts, is talking a bit more, I'm trying to talk about identity and how if people make judgments about other people based on one or two facts they know about them, you don't really get to see who the person is. So that's why I use that word to kind of Caution us that before we decide a person is a certain way to really broaden our view and consider that there might be other options. Um, This, the link is to verywellmind.com and you could Google that if you want. It's what are heuristics if you want to read more. My second footnote um, links to an article that's called Shared Pain Brings People Together. And I quote, the research suggests that despite its unpleasantness, pain may actually have positive social consequences, acting as a sort of social glue that fosters cohesion and solidarity within groups. So I think, you know, a lot of us have experienced that where we share something painful with someone who's Open and willing to listen. And um, there is a connection that happens there. There is a feeling of cohesion within either a small group or within just two people. And uh, research in psychology has shown that it does bring people together. And so I think it's important that, you know, when we consider about, you know, being positive in the world, like that's important, but also. Not forcing ourselves to stay in one particular box like, oh, you have to be happy or you have to always be in a certain way because that actually limits us. If we allow ourselves to actually, you know, share our pain with um, a trustworthy person or a small group where there's trust, um, it can be something that can create connection with other people and help us feel more um, loved and accepted within our groups. So thank you for listening. That's the end of the footnotes. Um, if you would like to learn more about my work, please visit my Substack publication, Princess and the P Survivor Edition. Also, consider becoming a subscriber since this is a reader-supported supported, supported bot podcast. A subscription will give you access to the latest articles and on my, my archives as well on Healing from Trauma, and how to deal with life's tests, and they can be delivered straight to your inbox. Your support means I can continue to research, write, and produce this work. Thank you for listening. Be well.